The views and opinions reflected in any of the stories narrated are solely those of the story contributor and are not necessarily that of the Nightmare Society. This podcast features adult content, so listener discretion is highly advised. And if you or anyone you know is struggling, help is available. Please see the resources in the show notes. Hello, and welcome to another episode of True Horror Stories. We'll be talking about some rather strange and odd experiences tonight. So, get comfy and prepare yourself for another episode of The Nightmare Society. summer of 2012, I took a job as an expedition canoe guide on the Boundary Waters in northern Minnesota, slash Quetico, southern Ontario. These are a massive wilderness area of lakes and land. I was working for the Boy Scouts and we were based on Moose Lake on the U.S. side. My job was to facilitate a fun and safe multi-day trip anywhere from 7 to 12 days out. Most of that summer was typical, but one expedition in particular still haunts me as a result of what happened to us over the course of a few days. My crew was on the younger side. There were nine of us total, the maximum allowed in a group per hour permit. There were six scouts, two adult advisors, scoutmasters, and myself. They had wanted to do a 200 miler, but didn't have the physical ability, so we had to amend our route. They were bummed out, so I decided to take them to a waterfall called Eddy Falls. It's pretty flat up there, so a waterfall is somewhat rare, but that decision would end up putting us in the path of something. We visited the falls and camped near it. That evening, I had the boys working on camp setup while the advisors worked on fire for dinner. I was collecting firewood in a big tangle of downed trees, brush, and bramble. I could faintly hear the falls off to my left when out of nowhere I hear the most unearthly scream or roar I've ever heard. It stopped me dead in my tracks, and I was frozen. The second scream was closer, and the third closer. I couldn't see anything due to the thickness of the brush, but whatever this was was coming directly at me. By the fourth scream, I could feel it in my chest. I got nauseous and involuntarily barked at it. I've never before or since heard that sound come out of my body. The fifth scream almost physically hurt, but it snapped me back to reality and I ran back to camp. My crew had heard it too, but what am I to tell them? I claimed it was a boar. 
There's no boar up there, and the advisors knew I was lying, but did not call my bluff. After dinner, they went to their tents, and I retired to my hammock, about 50 yards from camp. As a rule, I always set my hammock at my head height, so about six feet up. I would use a tarp over my body and head to keep the morning dew off and the morning mosquitoes at bay. But the tarp wasn't strung up. That's important. It was just loosely over me. It must have been around 3 to 4 a.m. when I was awakened by what sounded to me like a woman sobbing. Not an outright cry, but a sob. At the time, I'm hearing something walking through the thick brush down past my feet. So I listen, totally still and quiet as it crosses into camp. I could hear the change from brush to granite rock, but could still hear its heavy footfalls as it walked right through camp and on towards me. At this point, the tarp is still over my head, so I can't see a thing, and I don't know what to do. In no time, it was standing right next to me. I could hear the breathing, loud and congested sounding. I could smell the musk. I could feel its enormous presence only inches from my body, just standing there. Time to make a decision. I suddenly threw the tarp off my head, and as I did this, my left hand touched this thing in the chest. It was dark, but I could make out briefly a very large, upright figure. The hair on it was long and coarse. The musculature was impressive. Bodybuilder status pectoral is what I touched. It all happened in a second, and as soon as my hand made contact, it bolted back into the brush with immense speed for such thick debris. By the time I got my headlamp on, it was gone. My crew had slept through it all, so I read until the sun came up and decided not to mention it. The next day, we moved on a few miles towards base camp and camped on a small island. Campsites on the U.S. side are designated by a fire pit and a grumper, which is a fiberglass toilet over a deep hole. We were just arriving and it was evening. One of the adult advisors needed to visit the grumper, so he walked towards it. About two minutes later, we heard him yelling, and he came running back to camp still pulling his pants up and said that he'd just seen a gorilla run right in front of him. I asked if maybe it was a bear, and he said absolutely not, that he had hunted bear for years and it was not any kind of bear he'd seen. It was a monkey, and it was about nine feet tall. At this height estimate, I'm imagining being back in my hammock. I touched the chest, and if I did, and it was about six feet off the ground, that puts the head close to nine feet up. Was it stalking us? Was there more than one? The boys are now scared. Time to mitigate. I suggest a night paddle. No one's sleeping anymore anyway, so we packed back up and set out at around 8 p.m. and paddled by headlamp for several miles. My plan was to get back onto Moose Lake and camp very near to base, so we would be the first crew off water the following day. Moose Lake is connected to Newfound Lake by a small pinch and a channel of water that's not very deep or wide. There's dark woods on both sides. We were right in the middle of the pinch when a rock the size of a basketball came flying out of the woods on the right side, 
and narrowly missed the bow of the canoe I was steering. There's no cliff there. This thing was forcefully thrown at us from the tree line. At this, we paddled like hell. We paddled to the center of Moose Lake, tied all three canoes together, and sat out there all night. With the sunrise, we paddled to base camp and ended our expedition. They didn't want to talk about what happened, and I was okay with that. They left for Oklahoma the next day. After they left, I went back to work a shift in the canoe yard helping crews offload. My buddy Justin got back that day from a trip in the same area we had been in, Bear Loop, and as I was helping him put a boat on the rack, I noticed he had a distant look, almost a thousand yard stare. I asked how his trip went and he said it was all good until they hit Knife Lake slash Newfound Lake. He said they were being messed with for two nights on knife and then they had a rock thrown at them at the newfound pinch. Sure enough, for a solid two weeks after that, crews kept coming back from that area with very similar stories. One night there was a crowd of us guides in the staff lodge swapping trail stories and these encounters came up one after another. Screams, rocks, sightings of apes. Then from the back corner of the room I hear a chuckle. It's one of the old veteran guides who'd been there for over a decade. All he said was, It's about time somebody else seen one. I asked how long he'd known they were there. He said he's been encountering them for ten years. Then he said, They talk to me. This shocked me. I asked, like a language? Nah, they communicate telepathically. The less you acknowledge them, the less they'll bother you. But they can read you, and they like it when you're afraid. It's like a game to them. What happened out there is still a big question in my mind. I've always been open to the idea of Sasquatch. Their existence was never a huge stretch for me. But what really sticks with me is the way that veteran guide spoke of their intelligence and parapsychological abilities that they can read human emotion as clear as pages in a book that they know our species better than we know ourselves mid-November 2021 and me and about 10 friends were camping in the woods in the Sawtooth National Forest near Petite Lake. There were two groups of four people in two tents and in a car and me and my buddy were in hammocks near the edge of the camp. It's about 1 a.m. and we all had been sleeping for about two hours. I wake up to my hammock mate panting extremely heavily and yelling my name. I'm confused and get up and help him. He's paralyzed by fear. He said that he had an extremely vivid dream that there was a black figure, tall and slender, trying to break into his car after he had seen this figure decapitate me and the rest of his friends. He said that he woke up to the figure near the car and saw all of our heads stuck on sticks throughout the camp. He proceeded, he said, to click the car alarm button and the figure began to run circles around the car, 
and then stopped and then dashed off extremely quickly into the woods. I was obviously freaked out at this point, and I immediately felt very uneasy. But I told him it was just a bad dream, and that he needs to go back to sleep. Him and I tried for about five minutes, both stricken with fear at this point, when we hear our friend in the tent begin to yell, No, no, don't take me. Side note, we had not woken anyone else in the camp up at this point. This freaked me and my buddy out quite a bit because we had no idea what was going on. We were also very vulnerable in our hammock by ourselves on the edge, about 50 yards across camp. Our buddy's screams proceed to wake up most of the rest of the camp, and we find out that our friend in the car that my buddy said clicked the car alarm of was awake. So all of us scared and awake have a conversation about what's going on, and the friend in the car says that he heard scratching on the window and heard something pull the door. He also said that he had seen the black figure running around the car as well. We were all really freaked out at this point and decided to move into the same tent. Our friend with the dream also claimed a similar murder story to the friend in the hammock. The next morning we all talked, and so many of us experienced what happened that night, six in total, that we determined that it must have been some sort of being that was giving us nightmares. We called it a Wendigo, but we have no idea. Also, we had friends that stayed at the same site about six months earlier, and a few of them did notice weird things happening at camp at night, like feelings of being watched, or the feeling of a being walking around their tent. Strange stuff in the Idaho mountains. What does this sound like, and what do you all think? This story is unfortunately true. I grew up in the Sierra Nevadas. I wasn't big on camping, but spent a good chunk of my childhood weekends hiking with family and friends. The summer that I was about 16, about 10 years ago, my cousin, C, had come back from her first year of college, and her boyfriend, Jay, was visiting. Jay wanted to go on a hike with lake views, and C and I knew just the one. It was one of our favorites. The three of us set off on this hike. The trail isn't the easiest to find, but it's really popular with locals because of the view and general lack of tourists. We saw a couple of other hikers, some with dogs. It's an in and out trail that takes about two to three hours to the top, two to three hours back down. There are some smaller trails that branch off. We make it to the top in good time and enjoy our lunches overlooking the lake. After about an hour, we hear a scream in the distance. Specifically, a mountain lion scream. If you've never heard a mountain lion scream, it's really unnerving. It sounds a bit like a very loud, terrified woman screaming. This is not good because when a mountain lion screams, it's part of a mating ritual. That means there are multiple mountain lions, and close. 
The bears in the Sierras are softies, but the mountain lions will attack you. They'll attack your pets. They've even been known to attack bikers. Jay was really freaked out. C and I were wary, but it wasn't the first time we had heard mountain lions, and we had both seen them before. There was also an incident where, as kids, we laid out some expensive steak in my backyard in the hopes of luring a mountain lion to take pictures of it. It did not work and my mother was unhappy about the stakes. C and I tell Jay that we need to pack it up and get back down the mountain. About 40 minutes into the hike back, Jay realized that he forgot his phone at the lookout in his rush to leave, of course. We decided that C and Jay would hike back up to retrieve his phone and I would stay there on the trail to warn any other potential hikers that there are lions in the area. This is obviously not ideal for any of us, but seemed like the best choice at the time. I found a nice rock to sit on by the trail and was going through the pictures we took. C and Jay had been gone for around 50 minutes when I heard the scream again, and it's hard to tell, but I think it's closer than before. I start to freak out because being alone is not good if the lion is nearby. About 20 minutes after that, I hear the scream again and there is now zero doubt that it's closer. Logically, I know that lions don't scream when hunting. They are quiet. If a lion was hunting me, I wouldn't know it. That knowledge did not make me less scared. A couple of minutes after that, I hear it again, extremely close by. I'm looking around and trying to find the best place for me to stand, back covered, in case of the worst. Suddenly, I see something out of the corner of my eye. Standing still 20 feet down the trail, a couple of feet off, it's a man. He's completely naked, he's filthy, he's skinny, and he's just standing there, looking at me. If you don't know where you're going, it's easy to get lost in the woods around here, and it doesn't take long, being alone, lacking food and water in the wilderness, to make people a little disoriented, a little crazy. My immediate response is that this man is probably a lost hiker, and judging by how dirty he was, he'd been lost a long time. He needs help. I started walking towards him, asking if he's okay. I suddenly get this feeling of wrongness. I don't know how else to describe it, but the hair stood up on the back of my neck. I stopped in my tracks, maybe 15 feet away now, and had the overwhelming urge to run. It seemed wrong. He looked wrong in a way I can't quite articulate. Instead of wanting to help, I'm now scared. I ask again if he's okay. He looks at me, then opens his mouth wide and screams. Not a normal scream. He screams so loudly. Worse, it sounded just like the mountain lion. It occurred to me that we were probably hearing him the whole time. It was the single most terrifying thing I've ever witnessed. I started screaming too. Why was he just standing there, screaming? Do I run? Do I get out the bear mace? Suddenly, he closed his mouth, turned around, and ran into the woods very quickly. He disappeared into the trees, but the feeling of wrongness was still with me. I considered bolting down the trail, but decided to wait for C and J who luckily arrived within 10 or 15 minutes. I told them what happened and we decided to call it into the rangers when we got service. 
I've always been left with the unsettling question. Did I see a mentally ill lost hiker who really needed my help? Or did I see something else? Something not quite human. Mimicking the call of a mountain lion and stalking us down the mountain. female and this happened when I was in elementary school. I want to say I was like nine years old. My parents took me and my younger sister camping all the time in California. My mom admits that her placement of my sister and I in this tent is really screwed up. If she could go back and change it she would. The tent was set up with a space for two people in the middle. Think a square with two rectangles on the side with a divider that splits up the rectangles on the side. So like privacy for my sister and I. But also like someone could rip open the tent on my side in the night and snatch me and they wouldn't be able to see because of the divider. Anyways, hopefully I painted a picture. I'm positioned where to my left is my parents sleeping and to the right was the wilderness. I still remember the setup of this campsite, and you could see the campsites next to you, but they were distantly placed. Anywho, I wake up and I'm cuddling what I think is my mom's arm. I can feel the warmth through the tent as the divider would block me from actually touching her hand. I'm waking up out of the haze of just opening my eyes when I realize I'm facing the right direction. I remember silently freaking out and for some reason my kid brain instead of flinching moved my hand around what I felt to confirm I am feeling something. I didn't wake my parents up, I just laid there really scared and I eventually passed out again and I must have not made a big fuss about it back then because I did tell my mom and I think she kind of brushed it off as you were dreaming kind of thing. But as time grew on, that memory stays to be one of my most vivid memories. I do have, in my opinion, a really good memory when it comes to my past. I can remember being in a stroller and I can remember my thoughts too at that age very clearly. It could have been so many things. I don't like to even think of all the possibilities. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time. My family and I would go camping every chance we got. The place we always went to had no natural predators. At least nothing bigger than a fox. My dad specifically chose this spot so us kids, me and my two siblings, 